Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Chalk Talk. I am your host, Taylor Davis, and I'm with my co-host, McKenna Kelly. We have such a special episode. Honestly, I felt like there's no way we're going to be able to pull this off. And somehow we did. But today's episode is strictly surrounding the Netflix documentary, Athlete A. It has been out a few weeks, but on the last episode, we decided to use this as our weekly recap instead of a meet. And then after this opportunity came upon us, we decided to not even have topics today. We are strictly going to talk about the documentary, the scandal, everything that is coming of this And then we have scored an unbelievable interview. One of the directors of Athlete A, John Shank, is going to be joining us to talk all about the ins and outs of the production of this documentary, his his dealings with the athletes that were involved in it, his perception on the overarching problem. John is awesome. It really gives you unique insight from somebody who was helping create it from the very beginning. So absolutely exciting. But before we dive into that interview, McKenna and I wanted to be able to give you guys a little of our insight and opinion on the documentary. Obviously, hits home for McKenna. So I wanted her to have an opportunity to divulge and talk about it a little bit more. I will just give a couple quips. I thought, first and foremost, this thing was unbelievable. Unbelievable. If anyone has not watched it yet, please do. It is such a well done and powerful documentary. It's a little under two hours. And honestly, I would have watched like six hours of it. It was so good. And obviously, if anyone doesn't know, it is an insight into the 2016 investigation of abuse claims by the Indianapolis Star, as well as the extensive cover up that protected Larry Nassar from exposure for so long. And you'll hear us talk with John about this in a minute. But what I appreciate about it is that it it even went beyond the Larry Nasser scandal, which is obviously such a hot button topic. That was something that that got a lot of eyes and ears and attention, even from people who don't pay attention to gymnastics. But this this went further than that. And this talked about the self-esteem issues that were created from the sport, the eating disorders that were created from the sport, mental abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse. It is an overall tell-all of the culture that was created at USAG, how things were swept under the rug. Um, It gives you insight to people in positions of authority who did not do their part in protecting these athletes. It, It says it all. It's incredibly important. And I think that we are lifting up the curtain on some of these issues. And unfortunately, action wasn't taken until it was public knowledge. While USAG maintained their privacy, really painful things were happening. Once it became a media frenzy, then they took action, which is still problematic because 500 girls now have to deal with the ramifications of those decisions and probably more. We have to assume some still have not been 
able to come forward and they're dealing with the aftermath. But shedding light on this, even the Indianapolis Star article probably saved girls from being abused. This documentary will save girls from being abused. We are shedding light on these issues. Predators lurk where they feel like there's limited oversight of their actions. And USAG allowed that. They created and cultivated an environment that sustained predators, made them feel safe. Our athletes felt they were in danger and the predators felt safe. That is ultimately what I am, am so grateful to this documentary. I am grateful to the reporters at the Indianapolis Star because we are shedding light on the places of darkness that were compromising the well-being of our young athletes. And this has to be the beginning of permanent change. Wow. Yeah. Watching it, I've, I had such a different array of emotions. Um, my heart obviously broke for... The, I mean, I, mo I know most of these girls. Um, some of them are, are good friends of mine. My heart broke for them. Um, I also felt guilty that I didn't go through that, that I had a gymnastics experience that was successful and was, I can look back and be happy about that. And I didn't have people take that away from me, didn't take away or tarnish a memory or a title that I worked so hard for. Watching Maggie's bravery was so, I mean, I know her as a person. I know her as a gymnast. We all know the footprint she's left in the sport. I did not know of the foul play that USA Gymnastics had against her like that. I didn't, I didn't know why they would want to do something like that. Um, obviously we know now that she had this leverage of, Hey, I've come forward and they weren't happy about an active athlete talking about that. Um, so they were going to do what they could. That was, it was all really, really hard to stomach. Um, but what a beautiful film, what a, just what a way for these women to process what has happened to them, come together, feel supported feel like they actually have power and a voice now. Um, something that really got to me is watching each of the survivors um, share their, 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 their say. You know, they got to say what they wanted, but seeing the people that stood behind them and support their families, their husbands, their brothers, their sisters, their wives, yeah. like that was, that was so beautiful to me because when they were abused, they were alone. They felt like they didn't have a voice. They didn't feel like they had anyone to turn to, but their abuser. And for that moment, for them to gain that power back, for them to look him in the eye and tell him you hurt me. And now you're dealing with the consequences with their support. That was, that was a beautiful moment. Um, I loved, I loved Jamie Dancer. She really, I don't know why I felt, I felt so relatable to her in the sense of, I loved how just vulnerable she was on camera, how raw she was. But you could, we talk about this with John, you could see her processing. Yeah. It's almost like she didn't believe all of this had happened until she was chair for this documentary. You could tell it was all coming together for her. And for that, for a woman who is now so removed from the sport, who was an Olympian, who even said, I wasn't proud to be an Olympian, that broke my heart. Yeah. Being a genius myself and knowing firsthand the sacrifice that I made, and I wasn't an Olympian, I didn't have an Olympic dream. I didn't have to do near the sacrifice those girls did for the, for the X amount of years that they did. 
knowing she gave as much as she did to the sport and had to feel so small about it. And, and, and then she accomplished that goal. She became an Olympian. For her yeah. to say she wasn't proud, that broke my heart. I think it brought a lot of healing and a lot of thought process to a lot of different people. It made me look at my own career and know I, I didn't suffer sexual abuse from my career, but it, this made me look at my career and realize I've definitely suffered mental and emotional abuse. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it made me, and Jamie talked about this. It made me feel wrong. It made me feel like I was being dramatic that no, like, no, you didn't abuse is such, I feel like a strong word. And to say that you go through it, I feel like I'm being just a dramatic girl, but that's the right. culture of gymnastics. They want you to think that they want the culture makes you think, you're small, you're weak, you can't think that that's true. This is what it takes. And then at the end of the day, you are successful. So right. you look at yourself and think, well, I guess I was just being dramatic. I guess my stress fracture that I'd been tumbling on for, for months was, wasn't that big of a deal. What? Yeah. It, it's, it's so confusing and there's so many complexities to it. Um, but it really makes you realize that the foundation of our sport was abuse. It was yeah. control. It was, it was demeaning gymnasts into, into not being a human, not being allowed to have human emotions and feelings and, and express how they're feeling. It just, I, it really, really shed light on the darkness. It gave me a lot of perspective for sure. I think it'll do that for a lot of people. It definitely is going to require change. Um, from the consumers. I mean, why make a video like that if we're not going to, you know, if we're just going to take it in and then do nothing about it. But I really appreciated so many aspects of it. And, and they really tied a lot together because I would say, you know, when all of this came out and I was hearing about it, you, you are, you start asking how in the world did this happen? You know, the question of how comes to mind very frequently, even, you know, the horrible instances in, you know, Larry's office or at the ranch or whatever, you're like, how? And it divulges some and it gives you some insight into that answer. You know, he was considered the only reprieve for these gymnasts in, you know, a, among a staff that was mistreating them a lot. Larry was the nice one. Larry was the fun one. Larry was the one who, you know, would let them bend rules a little bit. He'd get sneak them food and snacks and things like that. So he created, I mean, it's manipulation at its finest. He created this identity to them as safety or even, you know, parents not being aware. And there was one gymnast, I can't remember who it was, but one gymnast who was in with him and um, Marta called. And he was talking to her about this particular gymnast. And so then, I mean, manipulation, literally, that gymnast is probably thinking, oh, he, maybe he has pull with who, who makes the team and who Marta likes. So if you're liked by Larry, maybe you'll be liked by the rest of the staff. There were so many levels to it that I had not been privy to before. And this documentary does a really good job of opening it up to. Yeah. I want to take this opportunity um, to shed light on my own mom. I've seen multiple articles since the allegations began that my mom knew that this stuff was going on, that she sided with Steve Penny. Um, and it is really confusing. It is really heartbreaking for me as her daughter to read those things um, 
And, and for other people who don't know my mom, who don't know enough about the sport of gymnastics, to just jump to conclusions, um, I, just, I just want to, to talk about that. First of all, my mom does not talk about her Olympic um, training with us at all. And I think part of me, when people ask me, what's it like being your mom's daughter? Part of me can't answer that. So I'm like, she's just my mom, I think, because my mom doesn't want to talk about it. For her, it, it was it was like how Jamie Dancer in the film said she wasn't proud to be an Olympian. I think part of my mom is is still so affected. You could see these women in the documentary how affected they are to this day by the abuse they went through. Right. And I just want to ask you guys, why would a 14-year-old who was molded by these people who believed those things they told her that she was, and then it goes on to be the name and the face of gymnastics, essentially. Why would someone like Steve Penny lied to victims, parents, who lied to the police, who lied to investigators, why would he tell someone who has so much power, who went through it herself, who has four daughters in the sport? I, I just, I just, I, I want to just pose that question to you to really think that over before you make any assumption, because that's my mom and I know my mom. And I, I think this film really shed light on the timeline of the abuse, how it started, where it started. And you can see the effects it has on grown women today yeah. um, that my mom still deals with, that my mom is still affected by. And I just want to pose that question to you guys because, um, that's really hard for me as a daughter, for, as a gymnast, um, to read those things. Um, I just felt it was important to take this opportunity to address that um, because I know my mom didn't make any statement of the sort. Um, she felt that it was one of those things that people are going to believe what they want to believe and the truth will come to light. Yeah. And um, sure enough, it did. And this film did exactly that. I completely respect that. And I, I want to echo what you said about the implications that you can still see in anyone that was, you know, a, a victim of, of what has happened and what has transpired in the culture of gymnastics so far. I even thought it was really interesting toward the end of the film, they mention Michaela Maroney's Olympic experience. And, you know, obviously it, it kind of went viral, her looking unhappy on, on the podium. And, and then after gymnastics, she, she kind of fell into a bit of a troubled path and, and she struggled and went through some things. Come to find out she signed an NDA in regards to things that she was vocal about having happened to her. So you want to talk about a tainted Olympic experience. You want to talk, talk about psychological implication. Being a victim of something horrible, you finally get the courage to speak up and say something and you are given a hush requirement in exchange for an Olympic experience. What? Right. We are asking to create broken women if we're continuing on this path. So yeah. I don't think anyone should assume the stance of any gymnast who has been a part of the last 40, 50 years of this culture. I don't think we should assume anything. I don't think we should judge anything. I think we should be allies and, and be listeners and be advocates for change so that we are protecting our future, our, our children, our grandchildren, the next generation of gymnasts. It's up to us to save them. So we are going to go into our interview with him. It is a special one, and I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear it. 
But before we bring in John, want to tell you guys about today's sponsor, Simply Safe. Now, the number one sign of a bad home security system is probably one that is too complicated to ever even use. That's exactly the type of system that Simply Safe has spent a decade trying to fight against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use, all while protecting your entire home. 24-7. You can order it online, you open the box, you place the sensors where they need to be, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It is that simple. So all you have to do is head to simplysafe.com slash team and you're going to get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So that's simplysafe.com slash team for free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It feels good to fear less. We will be back with regularly scheduled programming for the next episode. So we will have our talking points and we will once again recap a meet of the week. And it is time. We are on number nine. And the number nine team by the end of season was Cal. And I'm really excited to talk about this one. So we are going to recap Stanford versus Cal, which was January 20th. And that, of course, can be found on YouTube. So everyone, make sure you watch that meet ahead of the next episode. We will break down the Cal Bears and everything that they did in that meet. So without further ado, let's bring in John Shank. All right, everybody. McKenna and I are incredibly honored to welcome in our guest for today. We have award-winning filmmaker, the director of Athlete A, John Shank. John, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's really nice to be here. First and foremost, I just want to tell you, the documentary is unbelievable. First of all, it was so well done. And, and I'm sure the resounding feedback is how amazing it was. But I, I say thank you because McKenna and I, our, our purpose on this podcast is, is to help continue to give a voice to gymnastics because it was, it was silenced for so long. And documentaries like this are continued to help in that effort. So I, I just, I commend you for the work that's been done and, and for the aftermath that I anticipate will come from it. Oh, well, thank you. It's really, you know, for Bonnie and me, this has been really our honor. You know, we, we just been uh, pinching ourselves uh, every step of the way uh, just with the, uh, you know, the, the people that we've met, the amazing work they've done. And of course the, the brave survivors who've stepped up and, uh, you know, told their stories to the world in a way that uh, was, you know, meaningful and clearly uh, is, is resonating. And so we're, we feel like the lucky ones to be involved in the story. Wow. That's amazing. It, it, this one, you would certainly log it under passion project, I would imagine, because there is certainly passion in something like this. But let's go back to the beginning, logistically a little bit. What led to your involvement in this? How did this project kind of come about? Well, Bonnie and I, um, you know, we've been making documentaries for a little while now. Um, we're actually mar a married couple. We, we have a family together. We met in film school in the 90s. And we did a film about four or five years ago called Audrey and Daisy, um, which was a really tough film about uh, girls in high school who had been sexually assaulted by guys that they thought, thought were their friends from their own community. And um, it was a intense uh process and um we're really proud of the of the film that, that came out of that and um this woman named jennifer say who you probably know of uh, she's in athlete a and she's a producer of the film as well 
total powerhouse. She had written a book in 2008 about her experience in the elite gymnastics world um, growing up in the 70s and 80s. She was a U.S. national champion in 1986. And her book, Chalked Up, in 2008, was one of the early whistleblower accounts of kind of the culture of abuse and just uh, a mistreatment of, of the athletes um, in the elite uh, gymnastics world. And she saw Audrey and Daisy and came to us and said, what do you guys think about doing a film about, you know, this, you know, what's going on in the, in the context of the Larry Nassar scandal? And uh, it didn't take us long to realize that there was a really incredibly rich story here and, and, and some details that the world really hadn't thought about. And so we, right. we set about, you know, doing that project at that point. We were, we felt honored to be talking to Jen and, and that's really the origin of it. Summer of 2017 was when that conversation happened. Hmm. Personally, being a gymnast, watching that documentary, being a part of USA Gymnastics and not even knowing the foul play that was going on. You mentioned the details that weren't, that people didn't know that were going on. I know when I watched it and Maggie was talking about her parents talked about, you know, the evidence that she wasn't going to make the team, the way Steve Penny pulled her out of that commercial. Um, I, I felt a, a whole array of emotions um, knowing that, a dynamite of an organization who's supposed to protect their athletes would would put an athlete in a position to not give them something they worked so hard for. Talk to us a little bit about when when you guys were able to piece that together and when the whole documentary came came together, what was that timeline for you guys um, looking at it as directors? Well, you know, as you as you're starting to talk about, there's so many complicated pieces to this yeah. story. Um, what we knew in the beginning is that, of course, Nasser at the time stood accused of these horrible crimes, and um, we knew that there was this incredible um, kind of ma almost magical kind of thing that happened when the Indy Star started reporting the story in 2016. Um, on kind of the general lack of policy at USA Gymnastics to go to the authorities when they heard about abuse in their uh, system, um, which led to Rachel Denhollander coming forward, uh, and then ultimately Jamie Dancher and Jessica Howard, these three incredible women who called the Indy Star in the wake of that article to tell them about Nasser, who they had never really thought about before. And that kind of led to the unwinding of that story um, we had been following that, and when Jen came to us and, and sort of thought, asked us what we thought about a documentary, that's what we knew. This incredible story at the Indy Star, these survivors who were speaking up, Nasser had not yet trial, but we knew that was in the, in the future. Um, we didn't know about Maggie yet, and uh, her story is really intense and really important to the film. She had reported Nasser to USAG a year before the Indy Star even knew about Nasser, and they continued to not know about the internal um, re reporting that Maggie and others had done at USAG for a long time after they had been reporting on this. Um, so when we found out about Maggie, we thought we had to tell that story because we had to explain to the audience that USAG knew about this guy well before it became public and they chose to do nothing. And then even after they reported to the police and the FBI, mysteriously, nothing happened after that. 
So what was going on there? And then we later on discovered along with the Indy Star that, that Steve Penny had this cozy relationship with the Indianapolis police. And, um, and of course, Maggie not making the Olympic team raises another eyebrow. Again, tough to prove. But when you kind of look at the whole picture, it's very clear that, you know, at, at the very least, USA Gymnastics kind of holds this incredible power and keeps their athletes afraid, basically, to speak up. Right. I actually thought that was one of the most important aspects of this documentary was that it wasn't just about Nasser. I mean, obviously that's kind of the, the trigger, I guess, or, or what is most known by the general public, but this went deeper than that. This, this gave insight to a deeply flawed system. And McKenna, kind of to your point, you know, this organization is the very organization that represented dreams becoming a reality. And yet they were the ones allowing an environment that actually provided nightmares for so many young athletes. And the, the contradiction of that just blows my mind. And, and I was grateful to this documentary for, for shedding light on a, a multitude of problems. This goes back further to, to physical and emotional and mental abuse that, that was being, it was considered the norm. And I thought that that was incredibly beneficial for this documentary to, to touch on. And you know, as someone who's been involved in it for a while and telling the story at the depth that you have, why do you think that that was allowed to be the reality for so long? You know, it, it's mind boggling. And, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's sort of the, the ultimate outrage, right? You have an organization yeah. literally whose job it is to, um, you know, nurture and develop young people into strong athletes. And they, in many cases, were doing the exact opposite. They were right. mentally torturing them and um, some, you know, allowing uh, sexual assault to go um, unreported to authorities. And, and really, uh, I think Jen Say's point in her book, which is we, we found to be true with a lot of gymnasts, um, just kind of maintain this culture of control and power. And um, one thing that kind of became clear looking back, and this is, you know, the film, in the film you see these contemporary stories that are happening in 2017 through 2019, but you also kind of go back into history and, and see the context of what happened to USA Gymnastics since the 1960s. Right, right. Um, you know, there's, as you, as you gymnastics fans know, the Nadia Komanich story, um, you know, kind of, buttoned up this new way of looking at gymnastics in the 1970s where little girls started becoming kind of the you know the the predominant athletes in the sport um which further kind of created more of a power dynamic because you had kind of these older middle-aged mostly men controlling you know the lives of these young uh, underage girls um and then this other interesting thing happened in the 1980s which is that um for those of us who are old enough to remember you know, Olympics, Olympic sports used to be an amateur venture in the U.S. And then uh, in, in, in the 1980s, the gloves kind of came off and money entered the sport. And so you had these guys who were marketing professionals who were running Olympic organizations. And really, at the end of the day, they, they had no training in right. sports or athletic training or, you know, athlete development or mental health or any of that kind of stuff. Their training was in marketing. And how do they leverage their property as they called it uh to sell ads to you know to sell sponsorships and you know when 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 you're looking 
at the bottom line of um, kind of financial interest rather than, you know, raising um, athletes up to be, you know, fully developed uh, young women who, you know, who have healthy <laughs> uh, mental, uh, you know, view of the world and, a, and obviously an incredible uh, physical developed sense of their athleticism. When those things get flipped, of course, it, it, it you know, what we try to show in the film is that um, the, the whole world turns upside down. And that's really right. what we see kind of the seed of this problem. It's, I'm so grateful that you guys showed from the beginning. Obviously, like Taylor, you had mentioned, you know, it was about Nasser, but it was also about the psychological abuse. I mean, we, you, you interviewing Jamie and Rachel and all of the older women who were shaped at such a young age. I mean, the brain at such a young age is constantly developing. And when you have men in control who tell you all these demeaning things, who make you do certain things, that you start to believe that. And you could see those older women like Jamie, those those gymnasts who are now women who aren't in the sport anymore, you can see how it's even today affected who they are. I mean, in that time frame, in that age, that's who they became and it shaped them to believe who they were and they still deal with those effects today and watching that film being a gymnast having dealt with my own emotional mental abuse before that really brought to light into my life how how it's affected me as well and i didn't even realize that so i think a lot of gymnasts who are my age maybe they're still in the sport maybe they're past the sport i think it'll really make them take a look at themselves in the mirror and dig deep into the root of their problems that, hey, it's not me. It wasn't me. It's not my fault. You know, I was put in this situation. So just thank you for the timeline that you that you showed, because I think it is so powerful to see where the abuse started and where it is now. Well, first of all, McKenna, I'm sorry to hear that you also went through uh, troubles, and um, but I'm glad to hear that you're getting some perspective on it. I think one, one uh, you know, kind of sort of, good thing I guess you could say that we found in this film making this film is that um, you know people like Jamie Dancher have suffered for years you know you're talking what 20 years since her Olympic experience now it was many many years before she even realized uh, she had the wherewithal to realize what she had been through in terms of her abuse but she had spent all much of that time kind of in depression and sure. you know, self-loathing and kind of blaming herself and that kind of thing and one thing that we found that's kind of um, I don't know, maybe a, a, a silver lining is that young people like you who are kind of getting the, um, the benefit of this movement, you know, like yeah. mm -hmm. uh, of looking at survivors out there and saying, look, this happened to me. If it happened to you, I want to help you. Right. Um, so it feels so empowering. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm a big believer that people can bounce back and healing can occur. And I think especially when we work together and you see that your, you know, that your cohorts out there are, are trusting you and believing you and telling you and validating your experience. I hope that's helpful to you and others, other young people that, that have experienced some of this and, and um, can kind of gain from the insights and, you know, ben and benefit from the basically people talking about it and openly. You mentioned some of the interviews, and I wanted to ask you about that because I can imagine the difficulty associated with having these athletes retell very painful stories and, and recount very difficult times, but ultimately seeing the power that they regain when they do that. You literally, as a viewer, I felt like I could see weight coming off of their shoulders the more they discussed it. But that process is literally a process, you know, talk to me a little bit about what that 
what that is like when you're conducting interviews or, or asking for information to be given about such sensitive topics. It's so, it, I, I'm in constant awe of these women who um, chose to speak to us and speak to other, you know, journalists and, and storytellers about their story. Clearly, you know, what Jamie and Jessica and Rachel and, and Maggie, I think, felt is that there is, they, that's painful for them, but that it could possibly help other people. And I think that's what drove them. What we did uh, as filmmakers in this case is, you know, we always said to, to these um, you women, look, we don't want you to do anything you're uncomfortable with. Only go as far as you want. You tell us, you guide us and, and tell us right. what, what the guidelines and, you know, quote unquote rules are for, for this interview that we're about to do. And by the way, it's not a one shot deal. We'll come back. And, and you know, if you feel like you, you need some time and, and that kind of thing, um, there's an incredible moment um, where in, in Jamie Dancher's interview in the film where, you almost see her realize uh, on camera kind of the extent of which yeah. this ironic uh, dynamic was taking place, which was that Nasser was, you know, in the context of USA Gymnastics and kind of the, the sort of torturous situation that she felt, Nasser was the only nice guy. Right. And so, you know, you, you, and I, I don't know if that's the first time she realized that. Of course, she's probably thought a lot about that, but it feels like she's processing it on camera Absolutely. and I think part of the um, power of this film is that yeah. this stuff is tough and I, these women are almost like kind of girding themselves to tell these stories. You see Rachel Denhollander when she first told Mark Alicia of the Indianapolis Star her story, she's, she had lost weight, she was physically suffering, it really took a toll on her. And so yeah, I, it's, um, we, we didn't go into it lightly, we, we, we knew that this was really sensitive material and we wanted to kind of put the survivors first and bring them in the, on the process and let them guide us to tell us how to do it. Watching Jamie on camera, like you said, she was, you could see her reliving those instances. You could see the pain that she still deals with. You could see still the psychological confusion of can I even call this abuse? She even talked about it. She's like, I feel wrong to be saying that because I, I became an Olympian. My dream came true. So you take a look at yourself and think, well, maybe this is just what it takes. Maybe, maybe I really am overplaying it. And they were right the whole time. And you could, you could see her. I mean, she got emotional. I, I really loved Jamie in this film because she was so real and you could really see her healing in, in the midst of that interview. I feel like a lot of things came together for her in those moments. What do you think in terms of moving forward um, with the culture of gymnastics, especially, what do you think needs to change for, for the culture to stop being so centered on abuse and control? Well, first of all, I, I just have to say we, you know, Jamie rocks. Jamie Dancher is such a powerful person and thank you for recognizing that. Um, you know, we, even now when we continue to do, uh, you know, kind of Q and A's and panels with her about the film, we just are in awe of her, um, you know, what, what she's able to do. The, the rawness, as you said, yeah. that she's yeah. able to kind of put out there into the world, I think provides so much um, inspiration for other people who've gone through this. And it's not rocket science, you know, <laughs> there are models of good coaches out there. Um, right. Of course, um, 
you know, you see when Maggie Nichols in the film, when she goes to University of Oklahoma uh, and works with a, with a coach there who is coaching what I like to think of as the whole person, you know, the, the body, the mind, the whole thing. Um, Maggie flourishes and uh, you know, Valerie Condos, who I think the gymnastics world knows uh, a great coach uh, at UCLA who's, you know, who's, who's actually many times sort of picked up the pieces of these broken athletes as they've exited uh, elite gymnastics is another inspiring model for how you can do it right. And when I say right, I mean, you can still win and be awesome uh, as a gym, as a gymnast and not necessarily suffer the psychological and physical abuse that often went on in elite. So I think, you know, it's pretty simple. You, you know, you, listen to the athletes, you, you have your number one priority be the mental health and physical health of the athlete, and they will flourish. It's like, you know, nurturing, um, you know, a, a delicate little plant when you first plant a seed in your garden. You, ca- you can't um, take that for granted. And I think that there's great coaches out there that get that. I, you know, one thing that Bonnie and I talked a lot about when we were making this film is just kind of priorities in general with athletics in, in the U S um, you know, we all grow up in, uh, you know, kind of this greater system of what role do sports play in our lives. And of course they can be amazing because they can, they can provide a structure where older kids and older adults mentor and guide young people and, you know, and teach them and they can, they can be a sense of, power and you know meaning in the world and you know like a sense of yourself and what you're capable of and that can be such an important thing um but there's also unfortunately and we all recognize it the parents sometimes who are like a little too into it and focusing a little too much on winning rather than um developing you know physical education that's my personal thing i know some people come down a little harder on like well whatever it takes to win you know and you need, need to be kind of tough and taught those lessons but I'm somebody who just thinks like, well, maybe it's worth thinking about priorities and, and, and what, and what we model for our young people in, in our country and our society. And I think that USA gymnastics and what happened here is an exaggerated version of that. Obviously this is an area where laws were broken and predators were allowed to, to, you know, go unpunished. But I think in, there's also maybe another conversation worth talking about, which is, you know, when kids are young, how much priority do we put on winning versus, you know, developing healthy sense of self? Right. No, I, I completely echo that sentiment. I actually think it was Jennifer who said at some point in the film, you know, we love to win in this country. We're competitive. We love to win. But if we're sacrificing our young for it, there's a problem. And I think that that is, is really the mantra to drive home here. And let me ask you, John, from, from your personal, you know, resume and repertoire, and, and this is something you've done for a long time, and you've had really meaningful projects that you've been a part of. You know, I, I started my career in the production side. I unfortunately have not been able to be a part of something this amazing, but I know what it's like. You know, the process is, is long and daunting, and so much goes into it. And sometimes by the end, it surprises you. Sometimes it surpasses expectations. Sometimes it doesn't quite live up. Now that this one is done, it's out, the world is seeing it. How do you feel about the product you created? Well, that, that's a great question. A very perceptive question about kind of what, you know, I, 
Bonnie and I hate to draw too much attention to ourselves because ultimately the, the difficulty that we went through making this project pales in comparison to some of the women that have suffered here. Um, we try to be kind to ourselves during the process. This film was, um, it was not easy sometimes, you know, uh, it's, it, there's some dark stuff in there and, yeah. uh, um, we were living it for a couple of years as we, as we met these people and heard their stories. Um, but we, we, one thing that really nurtured us was just the inspiring sense of hope. You know, what can, what can happen when stuff does go right? You know, like these incredible reporters who, who found this thread and they pulled at it and they, and they, and they uncovered this thing that they had no idea where it was leading. And then these survivors who stepped up and that incredible scene in the, in the courtroom that took place, you know, when the victim impact statements were made, Andrea Mumford, the kick-ass cop who listened to Rachel Denhollander and decided to go after this guy, and Angela Povolitis, the prosecutor who said, I'm gonna prosecute every one of these cases no matter what it takes. There were so many cool, inspiring things, mostly women, by the way, who uh, stepped up and, and put an end to this and, and uncovered this. So that, at the end of the day, that's really kind of what we, what we you know look to for for to kind of pick us back up and um to, to answer your question about the film we're just bowled over by the response you know right uh, there's i don't know there's something akin to a revolution going on that i think um that the film is now taking part in in a small way i know it's much bigger than the film but you know, in, in England, for example, uh, after the film came out, there's now this incredible movement of British gymnasts to speak up about their own story, which is akin to what happened in our country. Um, you know, and then it dropped on Netflix without, pretty much without any uh, premiere because of, you know because COVID canceled the festivals, and it went crazy. It was in the top ten for I think the first ten days of titles period on Netflix in the right. U.S. Um, and, uh, which for a documentary is really saying something. And, uh, I think it got to the top two at one point. Um, so we were just thrilled and, um, yeah, humble really by that experience. And, um, we have an incredible outreach campaign where, you know, we have this website called athleteafilm.com where people can go and get discussion guides for the film if they want to show it, you know, in their community. And, uh, we'll, we're soon going to be posting educational materials for teachers at the high school, college, and middle school level to teach, um, the, you know, lessons about investigative journalism, uh, you know, the, the aftermath of sexual assault and survivors speaking up, um, law, law enforcement and legal issues that kind of arise out of this issue. So we're going to be really proud to, you know, give those tools to the teachers. Um, Netflix allowed us to put the URL on the film, so the web traffic has been just off the hook. So yeah, we're, you know, we see these things in some ways as movies, but in some ways as kind of tools. And um, some of our films have been used for years in, in classrooms and, um, you know, in, in kind of community engagement, kind of activism type work where we help spread the word on these difficult subjects. So we're really proud to uh, be part of that as well. And we look forward, to, we, hope, we hope this is really just the beginning. Well, I certainly, as we have already said many times, am incredibly grateful for this film and the work that you have done. McKenna and I have spoken on this podcast many a times about the need to educate, because if we're not educated on what is going on, how in the world can we protect them? So I 
think that it's it's a very powerful thing that has been done and the ripple effect I highly anticipate will continue. John, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to come talk to us. I can't thank you enough for your work on this film. It is absolutely amazing. And I think it's going to do a lot of good for the gymnastics community. Oh, well, that's so nice to hear. Thank you so much. And thank you, McKenna. I really appreciate your time and uh, you. focus on this film. And uh, good luck to you in, in, in your future work as well. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.